traveling in a fired-out combi On a hippie trailhead full of zombies I met a strange lady She made me nervous She took me in and gave me breakfast And she said Do you come from a land down under? A women blow and men thunder Can't you hear, can't you hear the thunder? You better run, you better take cover
You are listening to Test Zone at Home here on Mixler.com. I'm your host, Stevie Knuckle Dragger. Clock on my laptop says that it's the wall. Wait, no, it doesn't do that at all. But it does, in fact, say that it is three minutes after 12. And for the last two hours, I bring you the best in beats here in the Happy Valley. We started out tonight, as we always do, with me getting up to the set list. And on top of that, the right gosh darn one. We had a decidedly chill and even a little bit loungy set tonight, though. We did go a couple strange places because I can never do the same thing for an entire set because I would just get way too bored. Um, <clears throat> I hope you can hear me in the mic because I can more or less hear me. Uh, it is a perennial battle, a Sisyphean effort, if you will, of me adjusting. Honestly, not that many settings. I mean, there's headphone volume, there's the mic input, there's the... Um, master output and then there's the channel volume on the ambient track that I play in the background uh, that I talk over and well there's a couple others but that's basically it that's nine tenths of it right there yet it seems like um, uh, I must adjust it with the finesse of a diamond cutter I don't know if diamond cutters actually require finesse I only assume so uh, to get a reasonable level of what I need to be able to hear to hear myself and have the music in the background without fail every week with that said, speaking of doing things without fail, every week we did in fact start tonight with an ambient track uh, that was Star Terra with Quantum Mechanics. Um, I have entirely too many tabs open, which means today ends and why. Uh, that is from the album Celestial, which came out last fall. Uh, it's a web release. Star Terra is a uh, alias of uh, Signs of Life, aka Chris Bryant. Um, he spells it in Leet Speak S one G. NS, etc. Um, and he did a, a one-off um, ambient project, uh, which he cheerfully released on the web in FLAC, which was awesome. Uh, but he did it in 24-bit FLAC, and I shan't uh, explain to you why I hate high-bit FLACs, but I do. So I converted it back to Redbook, which is still quite large file format. And I've been listening to it off and on for the last few months, and um, found out a way to... Um, start uh, tonight's show with that uh, particular track, which is towards the end of the album. Uh, I quite like Signs of Life. Um, he sits somewhere between full-on ambient and sidechill. Um, and he puts everything up on uh, a couple different labels, both, well, it, two at least two of which have um, Bandcamp pages, which is very handy for collectors like me. Uh, Fault Star Terror with uh, Calibi? I'm guessing it's Calibi. That was Dandelion. That is from the album of the same name, which came out all the way back in 2008. Um, it was a self-released uh, web release. I don't even know how I got my hands on it. I've had it so long. Um, Calibi is a, um, uh, a guy who records under a host of names, and he is rather prolific. Uh, just under the uh, Calibi alias alone, he put out... Um, 10 albums between 2008 and 2013, um, including uh, Tone Poems, which was a release of some material uh, that uh, came out uh, almost exactly eight years ago in early 2013. He has not done anything since then. As a matter of fact, he um, Tone Poems includes some material that was released previously. Uh, but he also has three other aliases, uh, Quack Pipe, yes, really, um, and the copywriter, which is, uh, he only did one EP on that, but that, uh, caught my attention, um, uh, quite recently, actually, even though it's a track from four years ago. 
Um, <clears throat> fortunately, like great many artists, he appears to have most of his stuff on Bandcamp these days. I don't know if he's putting out any new material. Uh, what I get the feeling is that he was incredibly um, prolific in the aughts and was still shuffling material out the door through the early 2010s. But if he has been releasing new material and has not seen the light of day, as far as I have noticed... Uh, followed Calibi with John and no H. Hopkins. Well, there's an H in Hopkins. There's no H in John. Uh, that was Second Sense, which is from his album, Contact Note, that came out all the way back in 2004. John no H. Hopkins is a um, uh, a British fella. He is from uh, Thames, Surrey, England. Um, he uh, rose to international fame in the early aughts with his album, Opalescent. Um, which was a pretty big hit. Uh, the track Inner Peace, I think, was used on a couple um, uh, f- television and maybe even uh, film appearances. Uh, I first heard it on internet radio, I think, because obviously I don't watch television or film. And he has put out a bunch of albums since then, heavily in the uh, ambient and down-tempo zone. He crossed, and this is a, this is a hair-splitting um uh, difference to uh, underline here, but he crosses over from down tempo and ambient into new age, and I would argue that ultimately that is as much intent as his actual sound. But certainly in terms of um, his listening base, if you will, there are people who aren't really paying any attention to I don't know any modern underground or even full-on commercial down tempo labels who are aware of John Hopkins, but consider him music to put on in the background. Uh, so I would say he's had some. Uh, easy listening um, uh, street cred, if you will, even if that sounds uh, incredibly um, uh, the opposite. I mean, if you're listening to uh, easy listening music, you have the opposite of street cred. But uh, to be fair, there are people who genuinely take easy listening seriously and I can't entirely dismiss the genre. I think it honestly came out of something genuinely authentic. It just got kind of turned into something that was a um, a musical punchline in the late 80s and early 90s. But that largely had to do with the people who marketed it more than it did with act- the artists who were making the music. Um, I mean, the problem is, is the fact that when you say easy listening, people think Kenny G. And there's a lot of stuff that's new age and easy listening that isn't Kenny G or Yanni. <clears throat> But this happens with a great many things. Um, in any case, uh, uh, John Hopkins is, is a man with uh, street cred. I'm going to keep using that term. In a, a, a variety of different uh, music uh, listening ecosystems, which don't have much overlap. Uh, we followed John Hopkins with Cool and the Gang. Uh, that was Summer Madness. And this is a remix that I have been after for a very long time. It's just called the 88 BPM Remix. It's done by a remix services outfit, and I've discussed them a great length before. My favorite is Select Mix Remix Services. But these are um, remix studios that do um, reworks of standards of all types, from modern pop music to 80s pop music, 90s pop music, 70s, even 60s, a little bit before that, um, country, all sorts of things. And what they do is they turn them into versions of the track that working DJs, like wedding DJs and specific types of radio DJs, people who need a track that has consistent beats for every measure so that it doesn't wander around as a lot of older and even some modern tracks tend to do. And I really like this particular remix of Summer Madness. First of all, obviously, I like the original, but the 
thing about this remix is that it manages to take the original, which was recorded, you know, in the mid-1970s, I think, around the time I was born, I'm not entirely sure. And first of all, they don't ruin it or greatly change it, but second of all, they update it just enough that it works swimmingly with exactly the kind of music I like to play. And real talk, I absolutely love 70s Cool and the Gang. They got some of, of a mixed reputation in the 80s with their more poppy vocal... Well, I mean, they did vocal stuff in the 70s, but their um, synth-driven, uh, dipped-in-80s reverb sound around the time of uh, Cherish and the other big hits they had in the first half of the 1980s, which aren't that bad, but they are nothing compared to their 70s funk output, which is absolutely legend. And they did in sometime in the mid-1970s, Summer Madness, which is this brilliant, chill track, again, kind of easy listening, um, that has this insane analog synth melody going through the whole thing. The problem is, is the actual original version appears in the album. Uh, the measures wander around like... Um, as Bill Hicks would say, someone who doesn't do drugs any more than the average touring funk band. And um, the 88 BPM mix, which I first heard actually, again, on internet radio forever ago, we're talking some point in the mid-aughts, um, is, in my estimation, the best remix of the original that is usable by DJs. And it took me until, I'm not kidding here, we're talking fully 15 years, until earlier this year, 2021, to get find a copy of it. I, I've, it's funny, I was talking in um, the chat of uh, Mixler for this show, which is only relevant if you're listening to it live, um, <clears throat> about uh, Soulseek tonight, because uh, a guy I met on Soulseek in the early aughts died tragically, um, unexpectedly, uh, at the early part of this month, and I just found out today by a message from another uh, Soulseek old guard. And... Um, Soulseek itself has a search function, which works as you'd think, though it's a little bit primitive because Soulseek is very much peer-to-peer. -peer. It's the If you've been spoiled by how Google will correct your typos and make best guesses on what you actually meant, Soulseek will do none of that. You better get it exactly right, and even then it won't work. But Soulseek has a wonderful feature, which is uh, called um, the Wishlist, which are searches that it runs periodically. Uh, it runs them more often if you donate because Soulseek does not run for free. Um, but even if you aren't currently a premium member, it, they still do run. And I had uh, Summer Madness 88 BPM in my um, Soulseek wishlist search for, I'm going to say upwards of 10 years. And I got a hit, and it was a legitimate hit earlier this year. And I about needed a change of drawers when I saw that. Um, and the act guy actually had just like a dump of whatever remix service outfit it did. And I'm sad I can't say which one because the metadata was not preserved on the MP3 and the file name doesn't give it away. And the logo is, it had, a, it's funny, it didn't have metadata, but it had an embedded logo and it means nothing to me. This is exactly what you might expect from a remix service. But if you're an ex uh, obsessive, excessive archivist like myself it can be a little bit uh, stressful figuring out exactly who made it but the point is that is the uh, full length 88 BPM mix of Cool and the Gang Summer Madness which I have been attempting to play in this show for uh, well since George W. Bush was in office um, <clears throat> we followed Cool and the Gang with Simulacra going back even earlier to the late 90s that was Apparition I'm gonna have to pick up the pace if I'm gonna get through all these tracks before my requisite time is up uh, Simulacra is um an artist who did some very interesting distorted breakbeat business 
in the late 90s, all on mp3.com, where he gave it away for free. Um, he more or less did all of it with actually real synthesizer equipment. He wasn't using soft synths because there weren't that many in the, uh, there were some in the 90s, but fewer than, uh, far fewer than there are now. Um, unfortunately, and this is a tragedy that um, underscores how shitty early digital codecs are, um, like a great many mp3.com artists, he gave away his music, but it was in late 90s uh, 128K mp3s, which sound like a broken AM radio. Now, that's a pretty lo-fi track I played tonight, and it works, but I have a bunch of other tracks from that era from mp3.com that sound like absolute crap. And a great many of the artists, including Simulacra, have never resurfaced uh, to re-release their material in better formats. Uh, there's one guy, uh, his name is Josh Vega. He... Um, released an album called Drum and Bass for the Space Race under the name Astrotech with a K. Um, I have been waiting for him. He has a Facebook page of all things where he talked about how he was going to uh, remaster and release his old material. Um, <clears throat> on this page, and the last entry on that page was like seven years ago. He's done nothing. So I don't know what's going on in his life, but releasing material is not happening. Which means that um, we are stuck with... Um, Really shitty MP3s of some very good music for an era in time. And this underscores something which I have said for a very long time, which is analog material ages like a fine wine and digital stuff ages like a fruit salad. Unless it's flack, because flack is the um, uh, brute force approach to archiving things. Uh, we followed Simulacre with Chai AD. That was Slide, the limited version, which is from the first, well, strictly speaking, it's not the first release. It's the first compilation on the mighty Ultime Records, Fahrenheit Project Part 1. It's actually the second release on Ultime. Came out in 2001. Uh, I don't know if we can get an exact um, date. The first release on uh, Solar Field, but well, Solar Field is actually the fourth release. I don't know. Discogs is drunk, as it is perennially. Perennially. Um, see if I can actually find it. I just want to know, um, there is uh, no INRE001, but I know there was release before Fahrenheit. Never mind that. Um, what I would like to know, and apparently Discogs is just not going to show this to me because Discogs is a great many things, but a functional database is not one of them. Here we go. April, actually, wow, this is amazing. Almost exactly 20 years ago, 9th of April, 2001, Fahrenheit Project Part 1, the first compilation on Ultima Records when they were at that point, a fledgling Psychill label when the whole idea of Psychill was a new thing. I did not pick it up in... To, well, I probably didn't even pick it up in 2001. I probably got it in 2002 after I discovered Ultima on um, uh, Soulseek. Funny how they keep coming up. But I certainly bought it uh, not too long after uh, getting my hands on it. Uh, that said, I think that might actually be the first time I've played that particular track on this show. I mean, I may have done it in the CD era. I wouldn't know. Uh, but certainly in the modern digital file age where everything is on my uh, Tractor DJ software, I don't think I have played it before tonight. Um, and uh, that is, again, proof of speaking of things that age like a fine wine, Vintage Ultima is about as good as it gets and sounds as good today as it did 20 years ago. Uh, we followed Chai A Day with Code. Uh, that was uh, Marin Headlands. I have talked about Code quite a bit on here. Uh, they are a collective from the UK. I believe they're from Northern England, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, they put out one album in 1995 uh, called The Architect, which sits somewhere between, well, it's like, it's um, 
it's like a distillation and blending of a bunch of things that were going on in the underground music scene in the United Kingdom in the first half of the 1990s. They have a little bit of UK rave, particularly like breakbeat driven dance music, some strong influence of just straight up dub, um, some like shoegazer-esque uh, sound effects and things going through, like the way things are processed, and some vocals that are like a more sedate version of uh, industrial dance or electric body music, EBM. And um, <clears throat> they put out a bunch of EPs uh, in the early 90s, between 92 and 95, uh, and one album called The Architect. Flash forward 25 years, a quarter of a century. Oh, I should also mention they put out one album under the name Mortal, which is more instrumental. They did an album called Deco in 1997, which is also very good. Uh, and that was the final thing this collective did. Until... Last year, just as 2020 was winding down, uh, out of nowhere, they put out uh, last fall a new album called Ghost Ship. They did a limited vinyl release, which may have been through Bandcamp, I'm not sure. And they put it out on Flack on Bandcamp. And um, it is a return to form. It's obviously informed by what's happened in the last quarter century versus where they were in 1995, but you can still tell it's the same outfit. And I spent considerable time in the last couple weeks, even though I picked up the album, I didn't get it out last uh, September, but I picked it up, I think, sometime around the new year. Uh, I spent several uh, considerable amount of time listening to it in the last couple weeks, figuring out which tracks would work in my uh, show. That's the first time I played anything off the new album. That was uh, Marin Headlands, uh, which is, I guess, it blessed its cog's heart. Uh, because the track order in the vinyl version is different than the CD version or web release, if you will. Uh, as I thought, yeah, that's the closing track from the album. Uh, we followed uh, Code with a bootleg remix of Imogen Heap that was Hide and Seek. Need a name, bootlegs mix. Uh, Imogen Heap really doesn't need any introduction. She is a uh, British lady who um, got her start singing vocals for other people, um, including uh, very famously in a trip-hop um single from I think about 1997 or 8 I'm actually going to have to look that up um uh boy that doesn't work at all does it um Discogs is just once again not going to cooperate um but in any case she came into her own uh in the late 1990s uh with uh, her first album I Megaphone um and that particular song is from a later album. I think that's from O5's uh, Speak from Yourself Speak for Yourself. Um, and it was used in some the like the end episode of some shitty television show, which to this day I have not seen. And then it that uh, end of that show was ridiculed at great length uh, on a Saturday Night Live skit that was then turned into an animation by bear with me here and if you don't understand all this it's fine I promise you um, the uh, YouTube celebrity um, Lazy Purple who took the uh, sound uh, from the U the uh, Saturday Night Live skit and animated characters from the video game Team Fortress 2 using Valve Software's Source Filmmaker aka SFM which catapulted him to internet celebrity and this was all over 10 years ago um so that song itself is famous as a meme but uh as your average zoomer would say 
I like the song both ironically and unironically. And while I don't play the original terribly often because it doesn't mix well with anything, um, there are a bunch of remixes out there, including that one, uh, which I particularly like because he actually excludes the part of the song, which most people know, which is where she sings through a vocoder, mm, what you say. And so he basically takes the song, removes the meme, and turns it into an interesting remix. I don't know who needed to name uh, bootlegs mixes. It sounds like it was an artist who just had an idea for a mix. There's very little info out there about that. I picked it up again off Soulseek. Oh, I don't know. Close to a decade ago. <clears throat> Followed Imogen Heap with All India Radio. Uh, Can You Hear the Sound? Chillwave mix. That is from their album, The Slow Light, which came out uh, back in 2016. All India Radio is Martin Kennedy and whoever he's working with on a given day. Uh, an insanely prolific group of people from Australia. They have been putting out albums since 2001, and there's 38 of them on Discogs. This is a uh, collection of Australians who give those uh, crazy Russians a run for their money. Then we went in a decidedly different direction with Men at Work. That was Down Under, the Blood Wessel dub mix, um, done by Tezdone's old, own, old and own uh, Blood Vessel. Uh, that one is actually about halftime. It's like, I mix it at uh, 90 BPM, but it's functionally about half that, so 45. Um, but I was able to sneak it in with context. Uh, and then we followed that with Jens Bookert's Lazy Age, which is from his album Cosmic Port, which came out back in 2014. Jens Bookert, speaking of prolific, he is a German fellow. He's put, put, been putting out albums since 2000. He's got 27 of them on Discogs, and I bet you he has more than that. Um, he, I have said this a great many times, but it remains true. I used to say that um, he was a very consistent producer, but a lot of his material was samey. But having revisited some, not all of it, again, 27 albums and counting, um, I need to give the man more credit. He actually is a very good producer. He, his sound is very smooth, and it works as background fodder. But if you're actually listening, he does do a lot with it, and... Um, it was wrong of me to say his work is samey. He really has evolved as a musician. He's also a really good uh, landscape photographer, as it turns out, and has published a book of his photography. Uh, we followed Jens Bookert with Tim Rose. That was Hey Joe. That is, of course, uh, a cover of um, the... Uh, uh, <clears throat> well, it actually was... The song is made famous by one Jimi Hendrix, but it was not written by Jimi Hendrix. And my understanding, it's, it's, it's like a blue standard in their... Um, is uh, something of a, we'll say, a uh, historical dispute about who the original author is. I don't know for sure. And that, of course, is a bootleg uh, remix of it. As far as I know, uncredited. I've had that for ages. Again, I picked that up of peer-to-peer. -peer. Uh, and it basically turns the original um, acoustic and vocals version and adds some breakbeats under it and manages not to ruin the original. We followed Tim Rose with Alex Cortez. That was Afterworld, which is from his album... Make Believe, which came out all the way back in 2001. Alex uh, Cortese, of course, is everyone's favorite vibe in Dutchman, Mr. Ademui, who has been making electronic music in his native Netherlands for over 30 years at this point. Followed Alex Cortese with Pretty Lights. That was Gold Coast Hustle. Uh, that is from um, his uh, original web release that came out back in uh, over 10 years ago, actually. 2010, Glowing in the Darkest of Night. Uh, though it also got released on... Uh, a deluxe three CD set, um, which was um, originally sold at his shows, 
Um, this is crazy. Um, like most physical media involving pretty lights, um, I'm looking at Discog sale price. Lowest price, $13. Medium price, $30. Highest price, $130. Really depends who's got a copy of it and if they're willing to sell it. Um, and uh, that is definitely some vintage pretty lights there back from there when I really liked just about everything he did. Um, I, He is a Californian, so when he says Gold Coast, I imagine he means Gold Coast, California, which is... Uh, Ventura or something. Uh, but historically, Gold Coast has meant a lot of things depending on uh, what part of human history and what part of the world we're talking about. But given the fact that he's a Californian, many of his references are from uh, California. I'm going to assume he means the Gold Coast of Southern California. Followed Pretty Lights with Anita. Not an artist you might normally hear in the show. That was Paradinha. Uh, Anita is a um, Brazilian lady. Uh, her, full, her full name is Larissa Del... Uh, and I'm going to mangle this, uh, Macedo Mercado, and I'm sure I am just absolutely butchering that. Uh, she is a Brazilian lady, and I, I'm not going to lie to you, she is quite a looker, but don't hold that against her. Um, she is a fairly big deal in her native Brazil, and um, she... Uh, did we run out of ambient background track? I think we did. Uh, she is a... Uh, uh, had some crossover success with that track, in uh, about four years ago, some point in uh, 2017, I actually heard it. There was a brilliant music video she shot for it in New York City, which I may or may not have seen. Uh, but I first heard that as the background music to something totally unrelated in some short web clip. It wasn't even on YouTube. And in the comments section, because uh, uh, the video was about something entirely different. It was about actually someone who had a prosthetic leg who was an amazing dancer in spite of that. And, well, that was indeed impressive. I was more interested in the song, and it turned out there was a native Brazilian speaker um, in the comments section. And he cheerfully explained to me what the name of the song was, who uh, the artist was, and that she was quite famous in his home country. And, of course, we know it was. And I said, you know what? I like that track enough. I'm going to see if I can't work it into one of my sets. Um, it is certainly not uh, what I typically play on here because it's um, chopped up, broken up, um, definitely Brazilian-sounding modern R&B. Um, but uh, And it's got an incredibly slick layer of pop production on top of it, which is, again, not normally something I do on this show. But I just like it, and it's like two and a half minutes long, so if I can find a way to work it in every few years, I'm going to. Vada Anita with Buck Tick. Uh, the Japanese um, goth rock, <clears throat> arguably post-punk, new wave synth pop, very Japanese band. Uh, In the Glitter, part one, the gutter mix by Neutron 9000. I have discussed this band and tracks off the release that this is from at great length. Uh, Buck Tick was a very big deal in their native Japan in the 1980s. Um, at a time when synth pop and goth rock and post-punk and new wave and whatever were all sort of mixing around with lots of very big hair. And they took a very Japanese take on it, and they had basically no interest in the English-speaking uh, uh, music market. And the truth is that the English-speaking music market is the entire world um, because just about all their music is sung in Japanese. Uh, but in spite of that, their music was good enough, and in the fact that Jap Japan is, you know, fairly geographically remote, and particularly back in pre-information age, it was difficult to get physical releases. In spite of that, they grew a cult following in the United States, and certainly in Europe and in England. And uh, just as their career was winding down, they may still exist as a band, but they put out most of their albums in the 80s and very early 90s, uh, they put out this 
lavish set of a book. Uh, it's an oversized uh, photograph, excuse me, book of photographs with a CD in the back of it, including a bunch of remakes. And this came out in late 94, came in August 94. Um, a bunch of famous, uh, especially for the time artists, including Mr. Oliver Lieb, which is how I discovered, under his Spice Lab alias, Hard Floor, uh, Autecker, Richard H. Kirk, um, uh, and two by Mr. Dominic Woozy, a.k.a. Neutron 9000, who was at that point winding down his own career, but was one of the biggest things in his native England. And what a collection of mixes it is. They run the gamut of strangeness. It's just like a great slice of what was going on in United Kingdom and, well, other parts of uh, Europe, particularly Germany, uh, with regard to, like, as big names as you could possibly get to remix uh, your artist. The only thing missing is like an Orbital remix. Um, <clears throat> and that one right there is some crazy, like, dirty breakbeat. It's not exactly trip-hop. It's like, what it is is like UK rave that's been sedated with the uh, guitar riffs and vocals from the original version by Bucktech. Um, the original version of that track is apparently quite obscure. It's only on one release. And the only reason I know this is because... Bucktick fans tend to run to fairly obsessive degrees, and uh, one of them tracked down what it was and was able to find it, because actually, in the glitter, in the original version, it's written in Japanese. Um, and, well, obviously, I don't read Japanese, but I did hear the original, and I can hear the bits of the original that are worked into the remix, but it's a fairly long walk from one to the other. I uh, followed Bucktick with Cone, the... Um, uh, I believe duo from Russia. I think there may have originally been three dudes, uh, but I think it's only two now, uh, who are the absolute poster children for everything uh, that I used to describe Russian electronic music, which is to say ludicrously, stupefyingly prolific, with remarkably uh, high con uh, consistency of quality. Um, yeah, two fellows, Roman Alexev and Vladimir Sedov. Uh, they have put out 49 albums since 2005, and those are just the ones on Soulseek. And I know there's more than that. And many of these albums are sprawling, like 16-track works. Uh, that one was um, uh, Unique Moment, The Green Mix, which is from their two-part series, uh, Legends Inhale and Legends Exhale, which came out over 10 years ago uh, in late 2010. Uh, followed Cone with Shaman's Dream. That was Breath of Ma, which is from the album Prana Pulse. Um... Music for yoga, love, and ecstatic dance. Shaman's Dream is a um, kind of hippie fella who has put out a bunch of albums. Uh, he has a Bandcamp page. He has his own label called Sound True. Um, that was the most recent album, at least on Soulseek. He's done a few things since then, or just web-based EPs, but he's not put out a full length since then. I uh, followed Shaman's Dream with um, Lideris Band. That was Close, the Chill Mix, which is from the... Um, <clears throat> Compilation Mountain High 2, which came out on the uh, questionably named Candy Flip Records out of the UK. Candy Flip is a uh, drug user's term for combining LSD and MDMA uh, at the same time. There's a variant of it where one substitutes uh, psilocybin mushrooms instead of LSD, which is called hippie flipping. I'm not necessarily endorsing either, but these are terms, and uh, Candy Flip is the name of that uh, record label. Uh, that came out quite some time ago, over 15 years ago, in 2005. I originally picked it up for completely different reasons. It has a very good uh, song by Ace Dana, the Vincent Villiers, the founder of Ultimate Records, um, a track by Solar Fields, and two by Kickbong, and I like all of them, not to mention one by Cell. 
Uh, but it has that song as well uh, by uh, Lidera's band, who I don't know a goddamn thing about. Uh, it's a collective of uh, artists from uh, Barcelona. That is literally the only entry they have on Discogs is that song on that compilation. So there you go. That's pretty much a one-off. But Lidera's band with Germind, uh, that was... Mysteries of the Deep Sea, which is from the album Silhouette, uh, Silhouette, Silhouette, De- I always want to say pluralized, but it's just Silhouette Depth, which came out back in 2015. Uh, Germind is a, uh, another Russian, uh, down-tempo sidechill producer, uh, also insanely prolific, only been putting albums for the last nine years since 2012, 26 of them on Discogs. I have barely scratched the surface with this dude. When it comes to Cone, the, uh, other uh, duo from uh, uh, Russia that I mentioned, I have been through most of their catalog. Not all, but most. And let me tell you, that has been a Herculean feat that I have been um, working on for the better part of a decade. Uh, Germind, I've only known for about five or six years now. Um, I was a little late to the party discovering him. And I have really barely gotten into his material. He is just insanely prolific, and I've liked just about everything I heard, so uh, I hope sometime before my 60th birthday to have caught up with the material that he's losing between when he started and now. Uh, followed your mind... Oh, I mentioned what album that was from, didn't I? It's from Silhouette Death, which came out. Uh, I, last thing I should mention, it's on Cosmic Leaf Records, which is the um, best record label coming out of Greece right now. Uh, we followed uh, Germine with Cantoma. Uh, that was uh, Cos... Play with me here. Uh, Cosmopole. Cos- Cosmopole? Cosmopole. Which is from their eponymous album, which came out back in 2003. Cantoma is uh, two fellas, I believe, from the United Kingdom. Uh, uh, Phil. Oh, no, I take it back. One's an alias. It's a dude named Phil Milson, and he also records under another name because why not? Um, that was his debut album, which came out in 2003. He didn't do anything until. Uh, a follow-up album seven years later in 2010, Out of Town. Uh, that one I got when it came out and went back and then discovered his debut album. Um, and uh, his take on Dan Tempo is very smooth, very loungy. It's not normally my thing, but the truth is he's a good enough songwriter that even though it's kind of smooth and a little dishy, if the songwriting's good enough, I'm going to like it anyway and find a way to work it in a mix occasionally. Followed Cantumbo with LTJ Bukum. Um, the dawn of uh, chill drum and bass, especially in the 1990s. That was Unconditional Love, which is from his album from the early 2000s, actually the year 2000, called Journey Inwards, which is a sprawling two-CD set, um, which I reviewed, actually, for a publication, or for a record label, I don't know, for a something. I think it's when I worked for WMH uh, in the early days. I know I, I know I wrote an entire review for the damn thing. I don't remember what it's for anymore. Um, and my take then is basically the same as it is now, and it's funny, it's fully 21 years. That came out April of 2000. It is a very good album. It was nice to hear an album of, like, down-tempo, trip-hop, deep house, just chill stuff from a drum and bass artist who was known for doing chill, ambient drum and bass. Uh, the problem is, is that he had two CDs worth of music, but not two CDs worth of ideas, and what he needed to do was trim the fat. If he had taken the best tracks from the two CDs and condense it down to a single CD album, it would have been an absolute timeless classic and people would still be talking about it to this day. As it is, there's a lot to wade through and a bunch of it is not up to par. But that song right there, Unconditional Love, is uh, is a real classic. I don't play that one terribly often, but I have been working that into my DJ sets for fully 
21 years at this point. Followed LTJ Bookum with the Star Seeds. That was one word here. Heaven's Airport Coffee Shop Restaurant. I guess they were hungry when they wanted a cup of coffee when they made it. That is was released as a single, but it is also um, from their album Parallel Life, which came out in 97. Uh, Star Seeds was um, uh, two bohemian hippie types who... Uh, Got their start in the uh, early part of the 2000s by appearing on, um, uh, in 1995, on the first release on the Mighty Waveform Records in the United States. Uh, their song, Behind the Sun, the deep ambient mix, is the opening track uh, from uh, volume, oh, I'm sorry, it's actually the second one, my bad. Uh, volume 2, uh, Ambient Dub, um, which made a lot of people aware who they are and it took them a couple of years to get out an album and it, truthfully the album is as much um, I don't know indie rock post rock um, I don't want to say dream pop but it's like very chill version of what college radio was playing at the time as much as it is um, amb uh, ambient dub meaning that they uh, had a fairly big uh, crossover in listening from people who were strictly into electronic music and people who were into vaguely indie rock looking things um that track right there is definitely one of their best. That has aged quite well, far better than some of their material. Uh, we followed the Star Seeds with uh, Pollen Carr. That was Foss. Pollen Carr is a um, uh, a dude from Texas of all places, named uh, Daryl Bergen, um, <clears throat> who is an ambient artist who has put out a fair amount of material. Uh, he has put out thirty two albums since two thousand two. Um, I have barely scratched the surface of this guy's material. The thing about his name is his palancar. When I see that name, a right, little background here. I used to, and still am to some degrees, uh, I, I used to take photos. I still do, but I used to as well. That is a, um, a repurposed joke from uh, the late, great Mitch Hedberg, in case you were not following along in your book. Uh, and I used to have, and I still do, a collection of a bunch of old manual focus lenses and Lenses, particularly older ones from the mid-20 and late 20th century, can have interesting names, uh, like Super Tacomar. And I thought Palancar easily could have been the name of, like, oh, I don't know, a 28-millimeter prime with, say, like, a 2.8, uh, f2.8 aperture. And, yeah, the Palancar is uh, not as sharp in the edges as the Tacomar, but it's not as heavy, and um, I actually get better shots with it. You don't need to know what any of that means. But that's the name of his project. Um, and it's not named after a lens, fictitious or otherwise. He is an insanely prolific ambient artist. He has been at it for about 18, 19 years now. Uh, that, what we heard today was um, Foss, which was from his 2017 album uh, called Many Worlds, which I got, I don't know, after 2017. I don't remember anymore if it was 2019 or 2020. And um, it is a, a very good ambient album, which is effectively self-released. Because it's on the label um, uh, Emergent World, which is run by him and has mostly his material on it. Uh, I believe he has a band camp. I think that's where I got a hold of it. Yes, he definitely does. Um, and uh, I suspect I first heard that on internet radio, but I couldn't tell you for sure anyway now because it's been enough years. I followed Palancar with Only Child going all the way back to 2000. That was When Six Love Nine, which is from the Virgo EP, which came out... Uh, some point in 2000, I'm not entirely sure when, um, and uh, I actually have the CD single of that, which was a complete pain in the ass to find because I wanted to clean digital copies of it, and nobody in peer-to-peer -peer was sharing it. Uh, Fault Only Child with uh, Silent Poets, that was Moment Scale, the Dubmaster X remix, 
That is from the second installment of the Cafe Del Mar series, going all the way back to the summer of 1995, uh, which really say no more. The Cafe, Cafe Del Mar has become an institution. Uh, and we close things tonight out with an interesting ambient track that was Holm Holmes with Great Expectations, which is from the album uh, Prayer to the Energy, which uh, came out again in 2017. Um, there is a two-CD set version, which he released, I don't know, self-released, and a flak version, uh, which is what I got my hands on, um, which is on his Bandcamp. Holm Holmes um, is, I, I think that's his real name, um, is a, a fellow, another ambient artist from Texas. And this is interesting, two in a row on the same show. Um, you think about Texas, you think about a great many things. Uh, and ambient artists, definitely not on the list. But Texas is a very large chunk of land. It has a lot of people in it. And just by numbers alone, they're going to produce uh, a couple um, really good ambient artists. It's not like what the crazy Russians do because... As I've said, the Eastern Europeans disproportionately produce an insane number of very good, very prolific electronic musicians, and I have no idea why. Texas, it's not the same numerically, but they're still going to produce one or two, and we managed to have two of them on the show tonight. Uh, the song, uh, Great Expectations, I need to look at the web release because the CD version is throwing me off my game here. Um, it is, where is it? It's right in the middle, actually. I thought it was... I, I had in my head that it was the closer of the album. It's not. But it was the closer of tonight's set. I'm Knuckle Dragger. This has been a, I don't know, special ambient lounge edition of Testone. As I mentioned, uh, I've learned today that a long-term friend of mine, I've not talked in quite some time, named Roland, a.k.a. ABCC, died unexpectedly earlier this year. Uh, like earlier this month, I should say. He died in uh, early April. And uh, I actually, uh, upon discovering that, which I... Um, learned when I woke up this morning, I, um, I have a dedicated machine that runs, well, it's a server machine, but among its tasks, it also runs SoulSeek 24-7. I had a message from a guy who's been on my SoulSeek friends list for more than 15 years that uh, Roland ABCC had passed. And um, what I did was uh, I, uh, I said, well, that sucks. And, um, you know, we live here in the information age. Um, I am friends with ABCC on a number of different platforms, and that includes um, Steam gaming platform. He had not logged in in 540 days or something. And uh, Last Out FM, which is uh, formerly Audio uh, Scrobbler, which I always want to call Audio Squabbler, which is basically voluntary spyware that tracks all of the music you play if you let it. Um, and now he has not used that in a very long time. As a matter of fact, the last tracks that he scrobbled were in February of 2010, over 11 years ago at this point. Um, but I, uh, I did a little searching at what he was doing and uh, what he had been listening to, you know, in the 2010s, effectively. And uh, his favorite artist was actually one I uh, remembered him talking to me about some point in the late 2010s, which is a French techno producer named Tahoe, um, who uh, makes um, sort of Detroit-style techno, which is uh, organic, funky, fairly uh, repetitive uh, beats, but he adds uh, decidedly French uh, melodies to his synth work on top of it, uh, belying, um, betraying, I guess. I can never remember betraying and belying. Giving away uh, that uh, he is obviously as influenced as much by French house music and things like Jean-Michel Jarre as he is by Detroit techno. And I had not thought about Tahoe in 
uh, we'll say a dozen years. So I said, gee, I should, you know, mix one of uh, Tahoe's tracks in tonight's set uh, in honor of Roland. But that didn't work for a host of reasons, not the least of which is the fact that I had already put together tonight's set. It was 90 to 90 something BPM. Um you know, mid-tempo lounge music effectively, and there's not much room for techno BPM, even slower set at like 120. And honestly, more realistically, I didn't know what track to play because um, I would need to do a deep dive into Tahoe's catalog and figure out what works with what I like to do. So that is actually what I am going to do, and it is going to take some time, but I will be playing some Tahoe some point in the next, I don't know, month or two. When I figure out an appropriate track, uh, to offer a salute uh, to my uh, good friend Roland. I'm Nugget Ragger. This has been Test On at Home here on Mixler.com. If you enjoyed what you heard, I do this every Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight, invariably later, here on Mixler. I will be back next week for more of the same, only decidedly different. Thank you for listening.